Father, we thank you for so much for your presence. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you that you are committed to sanctifying us and conforming us to the image of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us the opportunity to break free of this world and to stand against it and to show our allegiance to you. And I pray, Father, that this would come through tonight in this subject of water baptism. And I pray that it would be a great blessing to the people as we study this together in Jesus' name. Amen. I wanted to speak to you. This is a series that I started months ago, and I think I've only taught it one time. So this is the second part of the series, and maybe the last part. Um, but I wanted to get into this tonight, and I wanted to talk to you about water baptism and how necessary it is. And maybe most of you have been baptized in water, and so it's not something that's in your future. It's something that's in your past. But oftentimes, if you don't understand what you did, you, then you don't know what it meant. And so maybe even tonight as we study this, you're going to understand really what your water baptism meant. Because it is important that you understand what has engaged principalities and powers as a result of something that you did. And you need to understand what you did because you did something very significant. To humans, especially Americans, we see somebody getting baptized in water. We just like, that's nice. It's so wonderful. They're a Christian now. But the principalities and powers of darkness, it is a tremendous statement that you just made. And, and, and now you, you mean war. You're a threat to that kingdom. And so I want you to understand this so that you'll have the faith to walk in it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so I want us to read the scriptures tonight together, and I want you to understand about water baptism. We don't teach a lot about that. You don't hear a lot about it. Um, but I pray tonight we will have a better understanding of this. So we're going to start in Matthew 28, and Jesus is given the great commission to his disciples. And he says, before he ascends into heaven, he says in verse 18, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So this is a powerful thing. This is a kingdom thing. I want you to understand that. Water baptism is a kingdom thing. We are a kingdom people. The Bible tells us that up until the time of John the Baptist, it was the law and the prophets that were preached. But since Jesus, it was the kingdom that was preached. And Jesus has made us kings and priests in his kingdom. And so when you come to water baptism, one of the first things that you have to understand, it is a kingdom proclamation. And so that's why Jesus is telling his disciples, you're going into all of the world. And wherever you go in the world, I want you to understand that I have all authority and power. So there's nothing that you're going to face that escapes the dominion of my rule. So you go with confidence and you go with assurance. Doesn't mean you'll go with an easy time. And it doesn't mean that you won't have enemies. But you must go in my authority. And then he says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them. And this is a phrase that I hope will stand out to you tonight. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Now, oftentimes, there might be a couple of exceptions. You will only discover it as you, as you study the Bible in context. 
But one of the things you will find often is when the word or the Bible talks about baptizing in the name, it is primarily talking about water baptism. Primarily. There are a few exceptions. You'll have to study the context when you're reading the Bible to understand and rightly divide that truth. But we're to go into the world, we're to teach all nations, and we're to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Not only does Jesus have authority everywhere you go, power everywhere you go, he is with you everywhere you go. This is, so he begins this by telling us, listen, I'm about to ascend to my Father. Wherever I send you, I have authority there. I have power there. And then he tells us what we're supposed to do when we go. And we're to teach people the things that he's taught us. We're to baptize them in his name. And the Bible tells us as we go that we're also to teach them to observe the things that he's given us. And then he concludes it with another kingdom statement. That the king is with you to the end of the world. He's with you. He's right there. And so we're not only walking in an imputed righteousness or an imputed authority. We're walking with the king. And we're doing things in his name and in his power. There's a familiar verse in Mark 16 where Jesus, this is the same situation. Jesus is about to ascend. This is the great commission. But this is the way Mark records it in verse 15. He said to them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them, and they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And so here we have the same thing, that we're going to go, and there's going to be these signs and these wonders that are following us. How do the signs and wonders follow us? Well, we understand from Matthew that wherever we go, Jesus has authority and power there. And furthermore, wherever we go, the king is with us. So there should be miracles that follow and wonders and power because the king is there and he is living his life through us. And so it's very important that we understand this. In Acts chapter 16, we find this happening. This is a a visual. It is a, is a real life situation where the gospel was brought into a person's life and into this family And you find that the apostle is obeying the commandment of Jesus from Matthew 28 and Mark 16. You see this happen. You see salvation come, and then you see the whole family is baptized. And so I want to address this. Is water baptism necessary? Well, if you believe Jesus, it is. If you believe in the kingdom, it is. If you believe in the authority of the king, then water baptism is is necessary. It's a commandment of the Lord. It's not a suggestion. It's a commandment that carries a lot of weight. And we're, I hope tonight you will understand the weight, the gravity that it has. In verse 31 of Acts 16, or, or verse 30, and he brought them out and he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ 
and you shall be saved and your house. And so can I say to you that from the Apostle Paul's testimony in this passage of Scripture, that salvation has to do with believing. Believe and you will be saved. Salvation is not a matter of works. It is a matter of faith. And we're to believe on the Lord Jesus, and therefore we are saved. But our faith is not dead. Our faith is alive. That means that our faith demonstrates itself. As a matter of fact, James said, I will not talk to you about my faith. I will show you my faith. And so faith can be demonstrated. And one of the ways that faith is demonstrated is through the act or the ceremony of water baptism. Now, the Bible says in verse 31, believe on the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved and your house. And they spoke unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized. He and all his or his whole house immediately straight away. They did this and he brought them into his house and then they ate. And so I just want you to see, here is a situation, a picture where salvation is coming into this man's life. And the man is very concerned that his whole family is exposed to this salvation. And so they teach them what Jesus said that they were supposed to do. Go and preach the gospel. Go and teach them everything that I've taught you and baptize them. And you see this happening. Believe on Jesus and you'll be saved. And one of the testimonies of that belief is that I want to go through the ceremony of water baptism. And that's what they did here in Acts 16. And so as we follow on with this, I'm I'm going to begin to distinguish some phrases in the Bible that I hope will be important to you. So go with me to Acts chapter 2. And I want us to see something that happened on the day of Pentecost As Peter was preaching and his instructions for the believers or those that were being convicted of their sin. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent. And repentance is a change of mind. Repentance is the turning of your heart, the turning of your will from something that it has been focused on to something else now that it has not been focused on. Now, there are a lot of people that preach a gospel of works, and that does not save. And in the gospel of works, repentance might be clean up your life, clean up your act, Stop sinning, stop doing awful things, stop doing horrible things, stop cursing, stop doing this, and then you can come to God. And that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it is to repent, turn, change your mind from what you've been focused on and what you've been doing, and now look upon Jesus, turn to him, repent, go to him, follow him, believe in him. And this is what Peter is admonishing the people to do. And he says this in verse 38, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. 
And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. And so this is very important. Now, here's what happens when we take one particular verse and we read it. And maybe we just stay there and we want to dissect the whole thing. We can begin to teach error. We can begin to build error. And we can begin to build a pattern here. And so we would begin to say, if if we were to do this erroneously, we would begin to build this pattern and we'll say, okay, I want to teach you how to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And this is the pattern. And the pattern is you need to repent and you need to be baptized in water or baptized in the name of Jesus so that you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we might put it in that order. And so now we go around teaching this. Well, Thank God in Acts chapter 10, that order does not occur because in Acts chapter 10, Peter is preaching in Cornelius's house. And while Peter is preaching in Cornelius's house, they are baptized in the Holy Ghost. They are filled with the Holy Ghost. And then Peter says, because they have received the same gift as us, the Holy Spirit, why should we forbid them to be baptized in water now? Aren't you glad? That if we study the scriptures all the way through, then we will find that the scriptures don't contradict themselves. He's not establishing a pattern on how you get to the Holy Spirit. But what he's trying to tell us to do is this. Look, there is an obedience of faith. And an obedience of faith is going to cause things to happen in your life. And so there are things that need to happen with us. We do need to have repentance in our life. We need to turn to Jesus Christ. There needs to be water baptism in our life if we're going to be true followers of Jesus Christ. We need to receive the Holy Spirit in our life. This is very important. But how that happens might be different along the line. And and, and as we know with the thief on the cross, he wasn't even baptized in water. But he believed in Jesus Christ. And Jesus assured him that today you'll be with me in paradise. Can I say this to you? Water baptism, much like the baptism in the Holy Spirit, is not necessary to get you to heaven. But if you plan or intend to spend any length of time on the earth, then water baptism is of utmost importance, as is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. If you intend to spend any amount of time on earth, the thief on the cross did not intend to spend any time on the earth. This was his last day. This was his last hours. And he was not baptized in water. He died and he would meet Jesus in paradise. I pray that that is something that would be clear to you. Now he tells us in Acts 2.38, Repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. In Acts chapter 8, I want you to read this with me. Another passage that speaks of the baptism in Acts 8, verse 36, it says, And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. This is the Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch who was reading the book of Isaiah, and he didn't understand it. And Philip comes and explains it to him. And Philip explains that Jesus was the one Isaiah was speaking about, Jesus who was crucified in Jerusalem, that the Ethiopian eunuch certainly understood the history of that. And so as they're coming, they come to this water, a certain water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me to be baptized? And so this is what Philip says. So if you're wondering, when should I be baptized in water? What should occur in my life? Here's a wonderful scripture. 
Philip says, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they both went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And so I just want you to understand, here in the book of Acts, we see that one of the great conditions of being baptized in water is that you believe with all of your heart. And the fact that you believe with all of your heart means that you've already put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've already turned to him. You've already repented and put your faith in Jesus Christ. And so now you're going to go through the act of water baptism, which is very important, extremely important. I want to go to chapter 10 of the book of Acts. And I just want you to see this is the story again of Cornelius and Peter is preaching in his house And he's preaching about Jesus and the Holy Spirit in verse 44. And it says, while Peter spoke these words, this is Acts 10, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them that heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of words are so important. The Holy Spirit was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. And they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized. And again, as I said to you earlier, the phrase in the name often refers to water baptism when it uses in the name, to be baptized in the name of Jesus or in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's oftentimes talking about water baptism, which Peter's clearly talking about here. So he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to to tarry, to stay there certain days. And so here you see it's a different order from what happened in Acts chapter 2. Now, I want you to go with me to Romans chapter 6, and I want you to see this. In Romans chapter 6, this is very important, and, and, and I want you to see the importance of words. Because God speaks intentionally, all right? And so, here in Romans chapter 6, we oftentimes might just assume that this is talking about water baptism, but it's not. This is talking about a different baptism. It's talking about a baptism that brings about salvation. It brings about the new birth. It brings about conversion. So I want you to see this. In Romans chapter 6, he tells us in verse 3, Know ye not that so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Notice That it does not say they were baptized in the name of Jesus. They were baptized into Jesus. That is very, very different. And we have to understand that. So they were baptized. As many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. What is baptism? Baptism by definition is what you are placed into. It's, it, it is, it is what you are submerged in. And we have the perfect illustration of it with water because we can see that. The other baptisms are spiritual. 
and we cannot see them. We can see evidences of them because an evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the gift of tongues, just as it was in Acts chapter 10. They said, we know they've received what we received because they're speaking in tongues. So they knew it was evidence that they had received the Holy Spirit. So baptism, by definition, is what you are put into or what has come upon you or what you are submerged in. It's not what's in you. It's what you've been put into. Okay, you got it? All right. Thank you, Jeff. We need to know this. So, so therefore, we are buried. Verse 4, we are buried with him. We are, we are buried with him. By baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. And so it's like, you know this, you know that the old man is crucified with him. You know this, you're dead through Christ to the world. You're dead through Christ to sin. It's been done. It was done at the cross of Jesus. Yes, we take up our cross to follow God. Yes, we deny ourselves daily to follow him. But our death has already occurred. Our judgment has already occurred because we have been baptized into Christ. Therefore, we have been baptized into his death, into his burial, so that we can also participate in his resurrection. And that's what Paul is telling us here. And so we're we're baptized into him. So go, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I just want you to see this, being baptized into Christ. And I want you to see this in in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. So that's telling us that Christ is made up of many, many members. But he's one body. Just like your human body is made up of many parts, but it's one. Then Christ, the body of Christ, is made up of many parts, but it is one. And it goes on to talk about this beautiful body that is there. And it talks about how important that the body is there. And he says in verse 27, You are the body of Christ. And members in particular. But notice verse 13. How do you get into this body? You don't join a church. You don't confess a catechism. You don't agree to doctrine. But a work of the Holy Spirit occurs in your life when you're convicted of the fact that you are separated from God, you are opposed to God, you're an enemy of God, and you're a part of a kingdom that is going to be demolished by God. And you want out. 
Because this is the defeated kingdom and I want out. I want King Jesus. I want to be in the kingdom of light and life. I want to get out of the kingdom of death and darkness and doom. And so you begin, you turn, you turn from this kingdom of darkness and you turn to the kingdom of God. You turn to Jesus Christ. And when that is, and all of this is the work of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit does something marvelous in your life. And what he does, according to this chapter, is the Holy Spirit takes you and he puts you into Christ. That's a baptism. Christ is, it's not that Jesus is coming into you. The Holy Spirit does the baptizing and he puts you, the repentant sinner, into the body of Jesus Christ. And we're going to see what that body is in just a second. Verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 12. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. So how do you get born again? By the spirit of God. How do you get into Jesus Christ? By the Spirit of God. The preacher doesn't do this. This is not water baptism. There's no human that has the power to accomplish this in your life. Verse 13 says, By one Spirit we are all baptized into one body. That's the new birth. That is the baptism that is absolutely necessary for everlasting life. And that is the baptism that we have to have. This is not water baptism. Because if it were water baptism, it would say by one spirit, we are all baptized into water. But we're not baptized into water. We're baptized into a body. And the Bible says that body is Christ. And the Bible says you are that body. And so he does that to repentance. I know I'm, I'm saying this from many different angles because I feel that it is necessary Because there's another baptism as well. And that is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is in you. It means that you are in Him. It means that you are submerged in Him. It means that He is all over the outside of you. And who does this? Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the, is the agent that puts you into Christ and regenerates you and comes inside of you and lives inside of you, which is regeneration. But Jesus Christ is the agent who baptizes believers into the Holy Spirit, which gives us a life of power. And so we have to understand the distinction between the different baptisms. Because these baptisms are of incredible spiritual significance. Even water baptism is of incredible spiritual significance. And so when you come to this fact of water baptism, you would ask the question because it does represent 
our turning to Jesus Christ. It represents our faith in Jesus Christ. It represents that we have been joined with Jesus in his baptism on the cross and his baptism in death and his baptism in burial. It represents all of that. So when I'm being baptized in water, I am going through a ceremony that publicly declares something far more than to humans. This is what we need to understand very, very carefully. So who do you baptize? Well, according to Philip, those that believe with all of their heart are qualified to be baptized. And so those that believe with all of their heart have already been saved. They've already been born again. They've already been baptized into Christ by the Holy Spirit. They've already been baptized into his death in the cross. So who do who who gets water baptized? Those who know they're dead. Who gets buried? Dead people. You don't bury living people. And if water baptism is a representation of our death with Christ, then who gets baptized in water? Those that are dead. Ask for the burial. Bury me. I died. Put me away. I desire to make a declaration to principalities and powers. I no longer have a relationship with you. We're done. We're through. It's over. I'm not a part of your kingdom anymore. And brother, sister, when you do it, it's not a nice little ceremony. Devils, demons, perk up and watch what you've done. How dare you? And when you do, God in heaven perks up. And says, look what you've done. You've joined yourself with me by a proclamation. And I'm joined to you. It is a spiritual thing that happens. Very important. A great victory begins to transpire in a believer's life. If they intend to stay on the earth for any length of time. A great victory begins to transpire in their life. When they understand what they've done through faith. And what it means to God and what it means to hell. Because now it's over. So there's another baptism in the Bible. It's the baptism of Moses. And the Bible talks about this in the book of Corinthians as well. Paul refers to it. And he says to the nation of Israel how you were all baptized through the baptism of Moses as you passed through the Red Sea. Right? And so when he's saying you went through the baptism of Moses through the Red Sea. And that just simply means this. That the baptism of Moses was a declaration and an event. When you crossed that Red Sea, you were done with Egypt. That's what the baptism of Moses signified. You went with him across that sea, and you were not intimidated by the approaching of Pharaoh and his army who did not want you to leave. Don't go, don't go, don't go. If you follow Moses, we're going to demolish you. He said, nope, I'm following Moses through this Red Sea. I'm done with you, Egypt. And that's what they did. And they followed Moses. The Red Sea closed. God destroyed Pharaoh and his armies in the Red Sea. And there is this forever break. Now, many of the Israelites wanted to go back to Egypt. 
But they weren't able to go back to Egypt. It was over, but they died in unbelief. And how miserable they lived. For 40 years, they lived in absolute misery, which is the way a lot of Christians are living their life right now. Because they got out of something, but they never entered into something else. They just live in the wilderness, scraping together manna for the rest of their life. When God says, I've got milk and honey for you in homes that you've never built, which is the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's not heaven. Canaan's not heaven. There were enemies there. There's no enemies in heaven. So Canaan speaks of the fullness of the Christian's life, the fullness of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. But a lot of believers choose to live in the wilderness their whole life. They don't participate. They don't enter in because of a lack of faith. Baptism is a great way of making the declaration that I'm free from the world. I have no relationship with it anymore. Why would anyone want to be baptized in the name of Jesus who wants to continue in the old world or in the old covenant? It is insane for a person to want to be baptized in the name of Jesus if they're not willing to cross over into the kingdom of Jesus Christ and say, I'm done with the world and I'm done with works and I'm ready to trust and live with God by faith. And they've died to that and they walk with God in that way. So God has come through his son, Jesus Christ, to redeem a people to himself that he promises you will be a part of an everlasting kingdom. And in this kingdom, those of you that come to me, I will make you kings and priests unto my father in this kingdom. And my kingdom will be established upon the throne of David and it will go in throughout the entire world and the glory of God is going to fill the earth and I want you to be a part of it. And I want you to see this very quickly in 1 Peter chapter 3. And remember the baptism into Christ. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter makes this statement, and it has to do with baptism. And he says in chapter 3, I want you to see that he makes reference to Noah. He makes reference to the flood. His reference to Noah has to do with the ark. So before we get to it, would you just, don't read yet. We'll read it together, but you've got to hear this. There was a world that existed in Noah's day. That world was in rebellion to God. And God was committed to destroying that world. That world was opposed to God and God was opposed to that world. But God had a desire to save a man and his family. And so God told Noah to build an ark. And God would put Noah and his children into this ark. And when God judged the world, the judgment of God would not come to Noah and his family. They would be in the world as it was being judged, but they would not be judged with the world. They were saved out of it. You understand that, okay? And so that's the significance of Noah's ark. Now, everything in the Bible is going to refer to Jesus. Peter beautifully brings this to Jesus. And so he tells us in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20, and he says, which sometime were disobedient, 
When once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, wherein few, only eight souls were saved by water. This is a figure whereunto even baptism does also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. He's not talking about water. He's talking about the baptism into Christ. Not the filth, putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer, I really listen to this, the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject to him. Before I leave 1 Peter 3, could I just ask you to highlight a couple of things. Number one, Noah's ark is a figure. And it was a figure that would represent another ark that was going to come into the world to save people out of the world from the judgment of God and the wrath of God. And that ark, that true ark, is Jesus Christ. But another thing that I want you to see, this is about, this is about water baptism. This, this part is, I want you to see the answer of a good conscience toward God. Because the reference, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God, that's really what water baptism is. Water baptism doesn't clean your flesh. Water baptism does not redeem your flesh. Water baptism is your conscience giving an answer to God's question. God has asked a question to the world. And you have to answer it. And you answer it with water baptism. And we have to understand that. And the water baptism occurs because we have firmly put our faith in Jesus Christ. So remember that. I'm going to come back to it in just a second. But I I really want to read Galatians 6 to you. And I want you to see this little part that Paul writes about. And then I'm going to close. But in Galatians 6, Paul says this as he comes to the end of this chapter. And it's very famous, but he says in verse 14, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom, not it, but whom he, the world, is crucified to me. And I unto the world. This is the conversion of a sinner. And the redemption of a sinner's life. That can only occur by our identification with Jesus Christ in his cross. Not in a water tank. And not in our works. But in the person The person, not the it, the wood, but the person who died on the cross, my identity must be in him. And when my identity is in him and I turn to him, I have 
literally, in the eyes of God and by the operation of God, I have died with him in his cross. In other words, the Holy Spirit, it's absolutely miraculous and spiritual, but the Holy Spirit actually takes me and puts me into Christ, into his death. When he does that, I am fully, completely, finally done with this world. It's over. The wrath of God towards me, it's over. My hope of eternal life is settled. Because if I died with him and I was buried with him, I will be raised with him. It's over. God, through the work of his power, he did it. Now, God makes a statement to the whole world. The Bible says this is God's loud declaration. Loud. I don't have time to turn to the scriptures. But the loud declaration of God to the world is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ has gone into the whole world to hold every person accountable to God's question. And the question of God is this. I raised my son from the dead just like he said I would. What are you going to do about that? And one of the ways you answer that question is water baptism. That declares to God with a good conscience, what am I going to do with Jesus Christ? I'm going to follow him through death. And I'm going to follow him into life. As Israel followed Moses through that Red Sea, I'm going to follow Jesus through death and I'm going to walk with him into new life. That's my answer to you, God. That's my answer in my heart. That's the answer in my spirit. But I will give the public declaration to principalities and powers, Satan, I'm done with you. You don't own me anymore. You don't rule me anymore. You can't dictate to my life anymore. I've made a public declaration. It's over. I am his. And I follow him. If you've never been baptized in water. And you believe with all of your heart. Then you're living in an in-between. I'm not saying you won't go to heaven when you die. But I'm telling you this, there are a lot of pieces spiritually that are absent from coming together in your life. Because everything Jesus asked us to do is spiritual. Even when you take communion, the bread and the cup, it's spiritual. Even though it's carnal, it's spiritual. Water baptism is spiritual, even though the water is carnal. And when you, through faith and a good conscience, answer God, incredible things begin to happen in your life. And a declaration is made to hell. I know who I am. And I know who I belong to. And I want you to know it. And I want everyone to know it. I'm his. Would you stand with me? And let's just take a moment if we can to pray. If you would like to be baptized. We would love to serve you in that.
believe with all your heart that nothing prevents you from being baptized. If you died with Christ, ask for the burial. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus tonight that you have redeemed us, you have freed us. And Lord, you have given us true life through the indwelling Holy Spirit who has baptized us into Jesus Christ. And Father, you have given us real power by baptizing us by Jesus Christ into the Holy Spirit. And Father, you've given us a very real demonstration by being baptized of men in water. And I pray, Father, that all of these truths will come together most powerfully in our life and in our faith. That, God, we would walk in the victory of the new life. We would walk as children of the King. We would live as though truly you have power and authority everywhere. And you are with us everywhere we go. Because we're a part of the kingdom king lives in us as we worship you tonight and there may be those here tonight that have been born again but they've never been water baptized convict them don't give them rest until they do show them that they need to be that they might know the joy of this passage into the declaration to principalities and powers that they truly are yours give them the joy And Father, those that have been baptized in water and didn't quite understand everything it meant, just thought it was a testimony, but it's so much more. Let them now in faith rise up to it and let them live that life as an ambassador of Jesus Christ with authority and confidence and power. We know who we are. We don't belong to this dead kingdom that's doomed anymore. We've been separated from it and called out of it. We're not under your wrath anymore. Praise God, but we're under your love and your grace.